0: Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how you can save some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. It's easy to use, two click checkout, lots of events on there. Just go check it out, it's well worth it. Well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code the athletic. Once again, that's the athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. Happens to be my birthday, so do it by then, please. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Welcome to Gross Point Blank I am Josh Gross Joining you every week as we do on The Athletic Talking about mixed martial arts uh, If you're not catching us on The Athletic If you're not a subscriber And you're not listening to the full show You're probably catching this on Apple Podcasts Or over wherever, wherever you listen to shows We always appreciate that uh, Any support, rate, review, subscribe Always uh, uh, helps us So thank you for that uh, right now, you're probably going to be jealous of, of my view. I am in Waikiki. I am in Honolulu. Uh, as Bellator gets ready for two cards on the weekend, Friday and Saturday. The Saturday event is a significant one. Elima uh, Le McFarlane uh, defends her 125-pound championship uh, against uh, Kate Jackson, and that's a good fight for the women at 125. McFarlane undefeated. Uh, also on the card, could be the main event, I think, on any other Bellator card. AJ McKee taking on Derek Campos. That's the first continuation of their featherweight tournament, which will play out through 2020. Lots to look forward to. Josh Barnett fights on Friday. Uh, Lots to look forward to on the weekend. Uh, On this podcast, we will talk to AJ McKee. We will also talk to TJ Thompson, who I couch as the godfather of Hawaiian mixed martial arts. And, of course, there have been many people important players in Hawaiian mixed martial arts on the promotion side I think you got a good argument that that TJ had a major major impact on what the sport looked like here on the big events that happened in Hawaii especially in the late 90s uh, when mixed martial arts really was a dying sport uh, when it was underground when the UFC in North America was not the thing in a lot of ways uh, the cards that were happening out here in Honolulu were as big as any UFC event at the time. So looking forward to both those conversations, which took place at the Bellator Open Workout on Wednesday. I've been in Hawaii since the 12th. So, yeah, again, don't feel bad for me. It's a full 10, ten days in Hawaii. The first half of the trip, some some work, a little bit of work. Had some good conversations. Went and visited Ray Cooper the third, who's fighting December 31st uh, in Madison Square Garden for a million bucks in the PFL. Uh, had a chance to on Saturday night, of course, watch UFC 245, and that was uh, uh, an experience in part because I thought, oh, what's it going to be like to watch a Max Holloway fight in in Honolulu, close to where he's from, uh, and you know, what's the crowd going to be like? What's the energy going to be like in a Holloway fight? Of course, it didn't go Max's way. He ended up losing the title to Alexander Volkanovsky, and, and it was a tough fight because Max really never got going, so the crowd could never really get going, and there was some angst in the audience. To, uh, there was people who felt like uh, Max, Max didn't do enough. He was champion. He should have shown up more. Hard to say. I mean, the, the guy's been a great fighter. I, I credit that much more to Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, there were two other championship fights, of course, Amanda Nunes against Jermaine Durandamy. Amanda showed her pedigree. I think pretty much did what most people expected she would do, which was out-wrestle Jermaine. Uh, and and that, certainly that seemed to fit the bill, right? If, if you're going to fight someone who actually Jermaine showed up, was in tremendous shape, wanted to fight, wanted to compete, you're not going to strike with that person, even if you're as talented on the feet as Amanda Nunes is, uh, when you can take them down. Why not take him down? Why not control? Why not find a way to win? And I thought Amanda was very smart in that contest. And, of course, the main event. The main event got so many headlines, deserved headlines. It was a fight that I enjoyed writing about. I uh, had a big feature on Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington uh, coming into that week and their distaste for one another, dislike, where it came from, how it manifested, and how real it was. I, I kept seeing people say, like, oh, how do you know that they really hate each other? How do you know? Well, you know, Maybe they just all talk, all hype. Well, this wasn't one of those situations where after a fight, you see two fighters come up to one another and say, Hey, man, you know, all the promotion was just for the money, was just for the buildup, was just for this, was just for that. No, no, no. Kamara Usman and Colby Covington do not like one another. And I think we saw in the lead up, during the contest itself, and the aftermath that that is, in fact, reality. Okay. I mean, this was. I had fun, call, call, you know, Kobe Covington, he was wearing the fake news belt and the whole thing with the interim title, of course, playing up his affinity for the Trumps and the president. Um, you know, then we get to the fake news and all this sort of stuff. It, it, look, this, this fight felt so real and so visceral. And all the things that we discussed last week really came to fruition. I felt like... Um, you know, from the fight itself and the way it finished and then the reaction in a lot of non-traditional MMA media, more of the mainstream media or the political media, uh, conservative, liberal, whatever it was, people were reacting to this contest for a variety of reasons. And, man, it was, it was enthralling to sort of take all that in and to see, in the end, Usman came out, retained his title— showed his ability, showed his pedigree, showed his toughness, his durability, everything that you really want. And Colby Covington showed up, right? Colby Covington showed up. He came to fight. He gave everything he could. He got hurt, he, the jaw injury, the whole thing. People can hold Covington to task for the way that he handled it afterwards, running out of the cage, having sort of not not, not being willing to sort of address it in that moment. Um, but again, that to me, that speaks to how seriously this fight meant for both both competitors. I mean, for real. The, what this fight meant for Covington, what this fight meant for Usman, what it represented, I, I think sometimes in mixed martial arts we're too quick to say, oh, it's just entertainment. Oh, it's not real. Oh, it's not sport. Oh, it's just for show. Oh, it's pro wrestling. I think we're too quick with a lot of that stuff. And to me, this fight was an example of, yes, sometimes it's very, very real. And sometimes it can go to a place that's ugly, and it doesn't just flip a switch and all of a sudden become okay the next day. And I think that's where we're at with Colby Covington and Kamar Usman. And i got to say, Kamar Usman is a tremendous 170-pound champion, and I want to see him fight all comers, okay? There are... Welterweight's out there to challenge this man, but man, they are going to have a tough, tough, tough time trying to figure out and sort out Kamar Usman, okay? Because he can wrestle pretty much anybody in the division, and he didn't try and wrestle Colby Covington at all. They struck the entire time until that stoppage. And the stoppage itself, in in the moment, as I was watching it, it felt a little quick. Uh, But again, you're talking about the last minute of a 25-minute championship fight, and it felt like Covington probably could have found a way to make it the distance. He would not have won on any of the judges' cards. There's no way that he would have won the, uh, the fight on the cards. Usman probably would have managed another 10-8 round in that fifth, uh, considering that he dropped Covington twice. I think uh, I, 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 this fight is probably one that, while I said last week, that even if it turns out not to be a totally compelling fight, that you'll be on the edge of your seat throughout it, and it may not be a fight that you want to watch afterwards again. I feel like this is a fight that people will want to watch and probably will take in a second or third time. I know I feel feel the need to do that. I haven't done that yet. I sat in a bar here in in Honolulu and watched and haven't had a chance to, to catch the replay yet. Uh, but that's something I'm definitely going to want to do. So th- those were the three title fights on 245. And I, and I know that we've covered this card up and down on The Athletic, and I don't really need to get too much into the undercard action. So let's just keep it to those title fights and then jump ahead to this coming week. Uh, again, um, the Bellator uh, Friday night, it's a card for uh, the USO. It's for the troops. It's an event that's not just a fight night. It's something more. And the Saturday night is a heck of a fight card, and that's on the zone. And I would highly recommend you take the time to watch on Saturday night. Uh, we will talk to a man who will have a big say on what that night looks like, AJ McKee here. And then we'll have another conversation with TJ Thompson about this card in part, but also what, what's the state of Hawaiian mixed martial arts? What did it look like 15 years ago compared to what it looks like now? You know, why is Bellator able to come to Hawaii and the UFC's chosen not to? You know, all these sorts of things. Uh, good conversation with someone who's been around the game for a long time. Not really in it much anymore, as he'll say, uh, but certainly someone I think people can hear from, listen to, learn from. And I enjoyed that conversation with uh, TJ Thompson. All right, I am Josh Gross. You are listening to Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank from Hawaii, Honolulu, Waikiki, talking to A.J. McKee. Big fight for you. Biggest fight of your career coming up? saturday definitely
1: every fight uh i would say is the biggest fight of my career just because of what's at stake for me um i'm looking forward to it though uh Derek campos he's not a man to look over to overlook um him wanting this fight makes him the most dangerous person in the tournament for me just because no one wanted to step up to that plate so him stepping up to that plate shows he he feels he has something so uh i just gotta show him wrong
0: person wrong time tough dude gritty guy um, I don't know if you'd consider him one of the larger featherweights in the tournament or yeah. not. Yeah, he is yeah. one of the larger featherweights yeah, in the tournament. Definitely. So when, when you know that you got that guy on the other side of the bracket, I mean, you sort of chose this date in this place, right? That's that's yeah. the way it worked out. But you wouldn't know who you're fighting necessarily. It didn't matter to you who you were fighting.
1: I didn't care. I just wanted to get back in that cage as soon as possible. Um, I knew the fight was going to be in Hawaii just because previously last year we were in Hawaii in December. So I'm, I'm good at putting math together. You know what I mean? One plus one is two. And... The next fight being at the forum, I just I didn't want to be at home with my friends' family it's It's fun to have them all there and supporting, but it's it's a task when everyone's hitting you up for tickets and everyone just kind of wants to wait till the last minute so for me it's just it's getting away you know what I mean I get to enjoy this beautiful weather, get away, and uh, I'm not dressed up in a suit, you know what I mean I'm walking around in shorts and a in a shirt. And I feel comfortable, you know what I mean? So it, it's just all about comfort- comfortability to me and just being content in the moment.
0: Yeah, well, there were places, the worst places do open workouts, right? I mean, yeah. we're sitting there, they call it the Great Lawn here. <laughs> it's uh, out in the front of a little lagoon, beautiful weather, people out and about, like who, you know, they're watching left and right. Uh, does it feel like a fight week?
1: Um, No, and I think that's what's, what's so relaxing because a lot of guys, they're gonna be so f- focused and worked up, oh, fight week, fight week. For me, this is my type of vibe. This is my type of energy. You know, I'm always laid back. I'm in the back kicking it, playing music, walking around. So, like, for me, like, I went snorkeling yesterday. Like, I, I like to be out and about and just kind of do my own thing. Versus other guys, they're just focused on strictly business. And, like, me, man, I, I know I have a job to do, you know. Um, I know I'm confident in my camp, my teammates, and everyone that they've put everything into me to now when the time comes, like, when that door closes it, it's all work you know every, every whoever's in there with me everything is irrelevant at that point but when we when, when that door closes i got a job to do and, and the mercenary comes out
0: quick turnaround time from your fight at the forum it feels fast
1: yeah I, I went right back into training joey fought the week after me so uh with with that it was helping him with his camp and then from there you got baby slice so it's for us it's it's Continuing to stay busy, and um, shit. That's why we all we all come out victorious, and we just continue to grow. You know, if I'm not helping someone, then they're helping prepare
0: me. Uh, what are you looking now as this tournament sort of plays out? If this goes your way, you're gonna have some time off, right? What do you What do you do with that downtime?
1: Continue to perfect
0: my perfect my craft. So no time off.
1: P- take a week or two. Yeah, that's it. A Week or two, and I'm right back in it. But the thing is, a week or two, and someone else is in camp. So. There's really no time off, and, and that's why we continue to just get better and better. We call it the body shop takeover. You know, we call it the body shop boys ain't nothing to play with. We're gonna keep kicking ass, taking names.
0: What did it mean for you to fight at the forum with your dad? You had some time now to reflect on that. You know, there was something the media latched onto, and they thought it was pretty cool. At the end of the day, how what was what was the uh, you know what was the importance of that in terms of you and, and your career? It was surreal, um, being th- around those red
1: walls, seeing all those great names up on that wall. Um, Having my dad's career go the way it, it, it's been and it continues to go, um, it's phenomenal. It, it was a surreal night. He he went out there and set the tone and having all my friends there, OT Genesis in the back, just having big names there to support and help, it was phenomenal. So uh, I just, I knew I had a job to go do and it, he set the tone, he set the tone and to be able to be the first father son to go out there as professional athletes in such a a, a, a harsh and Brutal combat sport. It was. I can't even put words to it. You know, I'm still trying to like figure out how to talk about it. It's. It was surreal. That's the
0: best word I could figure out. Uh, you're obviously improving every day. Like that's an intention of yours to get better, right? So w- where are you making the biggest progressions? Where are the biggest leaps coming from in AJ McKee? Um, I would say outside of the gym. Being inside the gym is is. That's my
1: outlet. That's uh. That's my job, that's what I do, you know? I get irritated, I'm gonna go to the gym and go work out, go hit the bag. So um, I would say it's growing outside of the gym. Um, my dad's always said, your biggest your biggest fight is gonna be yourself. And um, earlier on in my career, just going through emotion problems, life problems, heartbreaks, um, family issues. When I step in that cage, all that became irrelevant, you know what I mean? There's times I didn't even train for fights and I'd just go fight because i need that fight like i know like i just need to go fight i need to like let some steam out so um it's i would say just growing outside of the gym man helping my teammates become better um this fight game's different you know if if you're not a top dog you can't really make a living off of it so to work a normal job and to be able to try to train and be the best you can doesn't really work so um having these guys around and, and them seeing how hard I work and being able to help them, motivate them. I had a guy, he drove from San Diego to our gym in Long Beach every day to the point to where he moved. He just sold his place, started living in his van. And he was like, yo, I need this, I need this. And sure enough, now he's, he's there, he's 4-0. You know what I mean? He's climbing, he's getting there. So uh, it's just following the step, footsteps. I kind of lay the platform and show everybody what to do. And then they have an opportunity to follow behind me and make even more money because I'm not going to let them settle for what I settle for. If I know I can get this, you guys can get more. So it's just it's creating that lifestyle, you know what I mean, and, and putting your whole team together and growing.
0: You're 24, but it feels like you're older than that because a lot of us have known you for a long time. You grew up in this game, right? So are you getting everything that you expected out of mixed martial arts at this point? You're wearing these Sprite shorts you already referenced in the scrum that, like, you don't have that sponsorship from coca-cola These is things you expect and sort of demand later on in your career you know has this stuff come fast enough for you
1: um i don't know the sports just kind of evolved so much i wouldn't really call it a sport yet um it's more entertainment at the moment when there's pensions retirement plans when there's things to help fighters that kind of make it a sport you know what i mean then i'll call it a sport if i get hurt and i blow my knee out and my career's done there's no more AJ McKee. You know what I mean. What I've made is what I've made. So uh, it's being able to to maneuver through the system and and set things up. You know what I mean. I got I got a monster deal now. So I'm uh, I'm just growing, man. Growing and, and trying to open doors, not just for myself, but for my team, for my family. I got a two-year-old brother who thanks th- who this is all he knows. You know what I mean. He's two years old and he's already doing darsh chokes on me. <laughs> so it's like. It's not just going to be me. It's going to be another generation and another generation. So it's trying to open those doors for them. Um, Snickers, Sprite, you know what I mean? These these are big brand companies that haven't really stepped foot in this fight world because it's such a new sport. They don't know anything about it. Um, Floyd goes out there fighting Gucci shorts. Clearly he has a Gucci deal. He's worked something out to where, hey, you guys sponsor me with these shorts and da-da-da. So why can't I do it? I know I can't use your logo, so all right, I'll make a knockoff one and put AJ on it instead of Gucci. But I think that's just kind of like showing them like, hey, this kid's onto something. To be 19 and to be thinking on a marketing standpoint of that, um, I really don't need a manager. But of course, a manager would help out. It's It's all about connections, you know what I mean? Everyone that sits at that big table and says, okay, what are we going to do marketing-wise? They're going to all talk. Okay, I think this will be good. Nah, no, I don't, I kinda of don't like this person. He doesn't fit our, our, uh, our character of what we wanna paint the picture of our company to be. So it, it's it's being a people pleaser and just being able to, to open those doors, you know? If someone's gonna bite, if someone doesn't bite, eventually I'll be so established on my own that when they do wanna do something, my price is just gonna become higher and higher and higher. If you look at Floyd's career, in the beginning, no one wanted to do anything with him, but in the end, he ended up making 100 mil per fight. So that that's kind of the motto, you know what I mean? Just stay focused and don't stress myself out about the things that I used to. It'll come in due time, you know what I mean? It's not my plan. Like I said, I'm just like, I'm, I'm a vessel. Everyone else, it's a game of chess and it's a game of chess and everyone is pawns and the king is just telling me to, where to move, but I'm, I'm like the queen of the board. I'm allowed to move where I want and where I please. I just got to... Listen to the orders, you know what I mean, from the higher up and continue to do what I need to do. <laughs>
0: these guys are wild. So we're we're watching those open workouts, and Josh Barnett has gone into a pro wrestling routine. He threw some guy into an ice buck. He's going to hit him over the head with a chair, apparently. I mean, quite honestly, these guys are morons, if I'm gonna just going to say this on the... But on like the, I said, it is more entertainment <laughs>
1: than it is a sport at the moment. Well, so things like this sell. Think about what's the biggest... The biggest sport, WWE is known around the world. That's not sport. But it's wrestling. Nonsense. People pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for tickets. I watched it as a kid, (laughs) you know what I mean? Me and Joey Davis used to be in the living room fucking DDTing each other. Like this is what sells, it's entertainment. So it's finding your niche and running with it, you know what I mean? I wanna be that corporate person to where I can be marketed with anything.
0: I'll tell you what also sells. AJ McKee, by the time 2020 is done, you're 19-0 and, and you're champion in your weight class. That sells too, doesn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, it, that's, that's me putting a stamp on my career. That's, uh, what, 19-0? I've got 10 finishes at the moment with, or yeah, 10 finishes at the moment. So, 19-0 with, say, 13 finishes? I'm all about stats. So, to have 19 fights with 13 finishes... Those are phenomenal stats. However many in the first round, out of 10 finishes, nine are in the first round. So it's all stats for me, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, I just want to be the most marketable person. Marketable person. I want to be that people's champ, you know what I mean? Someone everyone, everyone loves, not, oh, he's a hater. When I see guys, oh, you shouldn't have hit that guy after you knocked him out, agreed. But you don't know what it's like to be in there in that heat of the moment. When I hit that man and I got an adrenaline rush that said, get him. I mean, it's defend yourself at all times. Yeah, he's down, but. That's being a seasoned fighter. When I knocked out John macapa I had evolved a little bit. I knocked him out, and I noticed, okay, he's done. Cut that off. Like, You don't need to hit him again. So I would say it's just evolving. Like I said, bettering myself inside and outside that cage. I'm not really a malicious person, but uh, I know one day someone's going to pull it out of me. And Derek Campos, he, he's a grinder. He might pull it out of me to where I might have to throw some elbows, blow his knees out. I mean, it's a million dollars on the line. That's life-changing money for me at the same time. Like I've always said, it's 7 rec- or six on my check, one on my record. So it's going to take somebody special to come bring that out of me and, and try to throw a wrench in my game.
0: People are recognizing what you're doing. ESPN named you the number one prospect under 25. A lot of, a lot of us have felt that about you for a long time now. Um, do you let that get to you? Does that stuff seep in? Do you hear that? no um i honestly wasn't even expecting it it was nice to get the recognition just
1: because a lot of people always try to compare ufc to to bellator oh well they're like d2 and d1 okay if you're saying that but john jones wasn't a d1 champ you know what i mean so i think people got to keep in mind that the organization doesn't make the fighter the fighter makes the organization so uh by, by the time I'm done with this, it's always been a childhood dream to have that UFC belt. But um, the things I want to do, the endorsements, Sprites, Snickers, you mean Coca Cola, all these big brand companies, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, I want to bring a fashion world into that cage. Louis Vuitton, MMA tight shorts, that'd be phenomenal to have, you know what I mean? So um, it's just keep doing what I'm doing. Just keep doing what I'm doing. None of, none of these people have that mindset or are really geared to to be able to do that.
0: You keep doing what you're doing. You're going to beat Derek Campos on Saturday night and go ahead and win this featherweight tournament. I think a lot of people are expecting you to do that. AJ, always appreciate the time. Best of luck. Thank you. I'm going to get them belts unified one day. Watch. (laughs) Uh, Joining us now is TJ Thompson. I would call you the godfather of Hawaiian mixed martial arts. Is that (laughs) fair, or will people who be upset with that description of you?
2: Um, No, my wife would be happy with that description, I guess. So we'll, we'll go with it.
0: Uh so as Godfather of the Hawaiian Mixed Martial Arts what what do you make of this back-to-back event weekend and where is Hawaiian Mixed Martial Arts right now Let you know what what is tell, just break it down for me cuz a lot of people say well, well UFC won't come to Hawaii what's the deal with Hawaii but Bellator's here and then we know there's some other small events there used to be a lot of events in Hawaii with Super Bowl and Rumble on the Rock and Aloha Stadium was done one time Correct So what wh- where is Hawaiian Mixed Martial Arts as a business from your understanding I, I
2: think I think um uh, at the grassroots level <clears throat> like everywhere at least in the country possibly the world it, it's it's not in great shape it's it's a different uh, it's a different world than than when I started in 1995 1996 um, where it is in Hawaii right now has gotten a big boost from Bellator uh, and I, I will take a very small amount of the credit I, I went to Scott Coker sometime in the middle of 2018 or maybe the end of 2017. And UFC had said they're going to be coming to Hawaii for a very long time, and I know they want to, um, but then went to the Hawaiian Tourism Theory and asked for a whole bunch of money and didn't get it. I actually got offered, from what I heard, a million dollars and turned it down. And I get they've got, they've got their own business to do. I thought, I said, Scott, there's a great opportunity um, to really get some goodwill from the Hawaiian people here. And number one, I think a big show can work. And we proved it last year with the sellout um, for the Lima's first fight and we're probably very likely going to sell out Saturday night here. But what I really liked about it was that not only has Bellator come in and done that, this year they've done free events throughout the year. They've done seminars with Hoist Gracie and with the Lima. Um, they've done meet and greets. So they're investing in a, uh, in a market that was dying um, and, if, and I think have really brought the market up. I don't know how the local shows are doing. I'm not I'm, I'm helping where I can um, with, with Bellator because Scott and Rich Chu have been friends of mine for, for decades now, um, but I'm not in the business, so I, I, and I'm not interested in, in the grassroots business of mixed martial arts, and I'm a little sorry to say that, but that's kind of, you know, we've got wives and kids and, and a life to live on, um, but I'm very happy to help out here, and, I, and again, I, I still... I've helped with the matchmaking, the undercards, and get to meet the young fighters again. So yeah, I get my juices flowing a little bit, um, but once a year is good for me.
0: Yeah, you, you get some of those memories of what it was like to be in the fight promotion business, but not really have the responsibility Except, of being in the fight promotion it, business. I'm, that...
2: Almost like being an a, 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 a uncle or an aunt as opposed yeah. to the parent, I yeah, think. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, have you been out basically since Pro Elite went under? Is that Was that the I last have. straw for you?
2: Yeah, well, it, it, here, here I'll give the very short story on, on, uh, on my life when Pro Elite went under the first time I had sold my company in 2007 at the time it was called icon sport and super brawl for what for me was retirement money. Um, I had never sold a company and took it mostly all in stock and when it went under within and I, I had, I had bought a gym and was using all my money when I was working for pro elite to run the gym, lost everything. Um, and I had six months on public assistance. Um, to make sure my daughter could eat. Um, so, I, that, that it may have left a sour taste in my mouth for mixed martial arts. Since that time, um, I've been in the uh, TV and movie business doing stunts and have a fantastic life and live on the beach, and I, mean, I don't actually live on the beach, I have a house that's like on the beach. <laughs> There's a time where I was was gonna live yeah, on you the hear, beach. Like, actually on the sand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so I've been completely out of the mixed martial arts business. I would watch the occasional card, um, Probably as much as any sort of casual. I would call myself a casual fan. There are UFC cards where now I think the very first one just recently where I knew literally zero fighters, including the two main event fighters. So that's that's the uh, that's the level of my mixed martial arts knowledge at the moment.
0: Still, this thing imprints yourself. It, it, the sport imprints itself on the DNA of whoever was around it. Like, whether you love it or hate it or, or attracted to it or repelled to it, it does leave an impression well, on you, mixed martial arts. I'll, I'll tell you so what, you'll, you'll always have that piece of mixed martial arts sort of you know, on your soul.
2: I'll tell you what we were involved in, and you and I were involved in the beginning of the punk rock movement, and then it got popular. Yeah. Um, so I, I couldn't be more in love with the times we had from 1995 for me um, to 2002, three, four. It was a very, very special time. We were part of something that was incredibly special. We knew something that no one else knew about, um, and then everyone found out about it, and it got kind of dirty.
0: The mixed martial arts that you were promoting back in the day, how much different is it than the mixed martial arts we see today? Uh, From the action in the cage, the skills we see, is there an appreciably different... Uh, element to it? Are we seeing a, such a higher quality of mixed martial arts today, or were the guys competing then really kind of doing the same stuff that we see in the cage today?
2: Absolutely not. The guy, the guys, the very best guys back then would get murdered by murdered by the by the Josh, mediocre Josh guys Burnett here.
0: Disagrees yeah. on that one. No, I. No, I, I okay. uh,
2: Josh has gotten so much better. Remember, Josh was so far ahead of the game. There was there was. Uh, so guys with skill sets. So there, there were some out there. Josh Barnett had the skill set. Uh, Eric Paulson had the skill set. Matt Hume had the well-rounded skill set. Um, well, I may have just named them all. You don't think folks...
0: Vitor, the Vitor Belfort that bounced John Hess's head off the canvas at, at v- well, we'll give you We'll, we'll, we'll have, give you a Vitor. If, if you if you transported him to modern day. At we'll give you a Vitor. So okay. I guess let's, a few let's, let's, go, let's go one step e-
2: down then from there.
0: Ensign Inouye, Egan Inouye. Those guys no. couldn't have competed today. No. Okay.
2: No. And I think, I think they would both tell you the same.
0: Okay. Um, interesting. So we have seen a progression. Yeah, but, but,
2: but let me say they aren't training like the guys are training today and don't have the knowledge. So, okay. of course, they could have. These were the greatest athletes at the time. Right. If they had the knowledge right. and the teachers that are teaching these young guys, for sure. Yeah. Now, so with that said, my, my, my hypothesis is that those fighters would, would get murdered, <clears throat> other than a few, by the mid-level fighters today it's nowhere near as exciting to watch. There was nothing like putting a sumo guy against a karate guy, I mean, the very beginning. Now we grew we sure. it into more than that and still was exciting, but um, there was, here, here's, a, here's a story, I don't see a lot of martial artists in mixed martial arts right now. Um, and when I say that, I'm gonna take um, Matt Hume, is, is, I was asking him about this a decade ago. And I was asking, what makes a martial artist? And he said, well, pretty simple. Let's look at the UFC, look at every fighter in the UFC. How many of them will continue training in martial arts for the rest of their life? If, they're, if, they, if, if they don't, they're not a martial artist, they're a fighter. So I think there are a lot of great fighters. Mm-hmm. You can mem- remember when things started getting big, when The Ultimate Fighter came on, you could take a a, a collegiate athlete that played football, and in six months, Make him into a UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fact. You we see, ta- we, we you see can it. Take, now. You could take someone with zero skills, yeah. and in six months, that's not a martial artist. That's a right. fight. Now, it doesn't. T- t- takes nothing away from. I mean, that's what they're doing. It's the same in sports jujitsu. It drives me absolutely crazy. I have a niece that now has won worlds as as blue, purple, and brown in both gi and no gi. But what I'm watching isn't the jiu-jitsu that I learned from the beginning it it, it was a self-defense and it was it was close to Valley Tudo right Um, so I miss that do do I sound like a bitter old man no
0: (laughs) well maybe maybe yes and I don't recognize it because I'm a bitter old man too I mean maybe that's the possibility here but I I agree on the jiu-jitsu and some of the evolution of what people are doing as sports jiu-jitsu makes no sense to me because the application of what we're talking about in a street context, it doesn't it doesn't work. And that's the, that was the original Period. point. Period. Period. Right, so it doesn't... I, I, yeah.
2: I still train on a casual basis. One, for sanity. Two, for um, my own health. And, and the, the most important reason, for safety. That if I have to protect my wife or my kids or myself, I want to make sure I'm in a position where I'm not going to have someone right. else kick me in the head right. or someone punch me in the face. Right. So if you, you want a barren bolo inverse retard guard under me
0: try it and see what happens to you (laughs) right well I mentioned Josh Barnett and he's fighting in the main event on Friday here uh the first of the two cards for Bellator Barnett uh didn't make his career in Super Bowl but certainly jumped to the next level of his career through Super Bowl One uh eight-man tournament Came back the next year, beat Dan Sever, and then went off to the UFC. Tell, talk to me about that '99 tournament and, and Super Bra- of... Super
2: Brawl 13. And, yeah. and, and again, this was um, this was a. And again, I'm, when I when I talk about the, the sort of the level or the the history, I'm talking just about history. I, I'm not. I had a very little to do with it. It was the fighters. I really wasn't even a great promoter. I happened to be in the right spot at the right time in the right market. But that tournament. Um, was talked about for close to a decade as being the greatest heavyweight tournament to ever be held since then there have been other ones that have beat it and pride did a heavyweight mm-hmm. tournament but but that that's what that was it was uh rico rodriguez josh mar uh, john marsh uh who else was in there?
0: Barnett. Uh, Barnett, uh, Travis
2: Fulton. Uh, um, there were Seven out of eight ended up in the UFC, and I think three or four ended up with the UFC let, belts. Let me, let me
0: pause you. I don't know if you're a subscriber to The Athletic. If not, you should be. Uh, we just did an amazing profile on Travis Fulton and his career. Yes, And Come on. Uh, I, I'm sure you would read that and get a kick out of it. And I digress. I will. so, I so absolutely go, go, go will. Go ahead.
2: So, um, so, so, the, so w- we put on a, an eight-man tournament, and at the time I worked relatively closely with Matt Hume to help find fighters in the kind of Northwest and Monty Cox in the Midwest and and but uh, Matt said I got this guy and I think I was in uh, I was in uh, uh, Kirkland and he introduced me to Josh and Josh was 18 or 19 years old <clears throat> it would have been just about a year before <clears throat> and Josh I mean I guess he, he he understands it so I could say it for you he here he was just a fat kid like really fat um, we seated him eighth in the eight man tournament. And, and Hume just said, you can, but he's going to win it. Like, this kid's going to win it. And, and, and what Matt said is he came from up, up north, like up kind of in the woods, and really just came out of nowhere. And Matt molded the beginning, the young, the young baby-faced assassin uh, that now is the war master, into what he was, and ended up uh, going through the tournament relatively easy and beating Bobby Hoffman in the finals.
0: Now, apparently, before that final fight, he jumped over the top rope and, and sprained his ankle Well, that yeah. yeah, so
2: that, that was the, the, his most difficult part of that fight was, I think he started getting cocky as a, as a 19-year-old or 20-year-old kid and came out and, and the size of him, he hopped the top rope um, and landed and had a high ankle sprain that if you watch the video within two or three minutes of the fight, you can see it blow up. And ended up having to fight uh, fight Bobby Hoffman, who have been, many won't remember who he was, but he was a mean, bad, scary dude.
0: And, and when you say bad, you can mean that in a in few different ways. In many different, different ways. I, I, he, was not, I, he was not a good person. I don't,
2: I don't know where he is now. I'm assuming he's in jail. Uh, <laughs> Just, yeah, it's a guess, it's right?
0: fair, fair, <laughs> fair guess, I suppose. Uh, so Barnett goes through that tournament, wins that tournament, comes back and fights Dan Severn, and then goes off to the UFC. Did you see Super Brawl as a and, vehicle for and, fighters?
2: And was the first to beat Dan Severn at that time
0: outside of the UFC. Yeah. Did you see, Super Bowl as a vehicle for young fighters like Barnett to go off to the next stage of their career, or were no. they stars? No, here no, no, in no, no. Like, what, what, what was? What, tell me about so that. So dur-
2: during that era, um, we were draw. This was this was the um, the dark era mm-hmm. of of John McCain calling it cockfighting and, and c- cable shot down. Yeah. Um, we were drawing more people, having larger gates, and paying more than the UFC at the time. So we were actually could be considered the bigger show. Now, they still had a more bigger worldwide audience. um, So people, it still maybe had more prestige, but they were not, they didn't have any more talent than we had in Hawaii, the Hawaii shows that were going on. Um, But with that said, most of that was by me. I was putting butts in seats to make sure I could feed my family. I mean, that's my job was a, I, I didn't get in this from a martial arts. I started training mixed martial arts or no holds barred or crap whoever it is a year after i started promoting in my 30s and then started fighting in my 40s so i'm probably not the smartest person in this interview right now for that for that reason but but my main focus was running a business i got lucky enough to kind of let some of that seep in and realize kind of that it was a special time and we were we meaning every everyone that was covering it from the fighters to me that was promoting people helping doing something special um it there is an argument to be made that without hawaii mixed martial arts or at the time no holes barred that the sport may have died probably would have gone on in japan but we were a big part of keeping it alive in america at the time
0: what does it mean for the Hawaiian Islands to have these now very successful, super professional <laughs> fighters? The Obviously, the BJ Penns, uh, you know, you think of the Max Holloways and now the Limalay McFarlane's. And so these these fighters continuing to emerge I, out of these islands.
2: I don't think anyone is surprised. I think I think it's a nice um, sort of stamp of approval. Like, yes, so just so you know, we knew this all along. I mean, if you go back to uh, David Kavika um to, to Ray Cooper, uh, Nico Vitale, these guys... These guys were such incredible athletes, and, and had all that potential at the time. And again, I will I will go back to our beginning of this conversation, that their skill level at the time wouldn't have survived now. But they weren't training like the guys are surviving now. And what they're doing now is mm. training their kids to compete now. Yeah. And you've got Ray Cooper III, kind of. I'm confident he's going to win a million dollars. On New Year's Eve, you got too, just, Raquel, Raquel Pauloui, yeah. who' who's going back in MMA, just just won Black Belt uh, Worlds at the at the IBJJF Nogi. Um, th- uh, Bob Ostovich, who fought for me, Rachel Ostovich is now fighting in the UFC. Yeah. So th- there is a there is a lineage, there's a history. I'm very very proud to be whatever part I played in it. Um, I won't understate the uh, the importance of Hawaiian mixed martial arts in in the sport going forward.
0: Well, I have no problem calling you the godfather of, of mixed martial arts because as much of Hawaiian mixed martial arts, because as much as it takes these fighters to participate and put themselves out there, you know, you have to have someone to organize and throw these events and actually make it feel like it's something worth watching and, and, for people. And plenty of people tried and weren't yeah. able
2: to do it. And yeah. I, whatever skill set I had was enough to keep it going. And again, again, that that in $5 gets me a cup of coffee at Starbucks today. Enjoy that um, cup but, of but coffee. Yeah, thank
0: College. you. Sir, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was a great to catch up with you. Nice to see you here and uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Always appreciate it chance to talk to tj thompson pleasure aloha and welcome back to gross point blank again appreciate the time with aj mckee and tj thompson Uh, both good interviews both fun conversations hope you enjoyed uh both of those talks so what do the cards look like this weekend well we know of course josh barnett is in the main event of bellator 235 that that's at the neil s blazedale arena both the cards are at the blazedale it's a Pretty much a storied venue, right? It's a it's a fight venue for any fight fan would know the Blazedale. Anyone who's been out to Hawaii to watch some mixed martial arts knows the Blazedale. I've been there for previous events. I saw a pro elite card there. I saw a rumble on the rock there. Uh it's um it's not the biggest venue in the world, but lots of energy, and I think a lot of people are excited for this weekend's events. Uh the main event on Friday is Josh Barnett against Honey Marks, the UFC veteran, of course. We've got Joey Davis, really tough, young prospect, someone I think to watch in the welterweight division taking on Chris Cisneros. Up and down, some interesting ones, Alejandra Lara. She's someone to watch at 125. And then Taiwan Claxton, who was in the early portion of the Bellator uh, 145 tournament, uh, lost. Now he returns. He's also someone I still think to watch. Uh, Definitely took a risk stepping up in competition, didn't go his way, uh, and now he returns here on friday night on saturday it is it is uh one of the better bellator cards of the year i think especially just the top i mean the top two fights something to pay attention to the Elima lay McFarland against kate jackson uh, i i'm excited to see uh McFarlane fight in honolulu last year really left an impression on people uh the the folks who are in honolulu to see her walk out to see her performance you know, it, it was something that they felt uh, stuck with them, and I, I want to see if she can replicate that uh, out here at the open workout. She it, look, she followed up Barnett, who did this crazy pro wrestling routine, uh, with some Hawaiian dancing and some sort of mellow, different, different vibe, right? And, and it was appreciated uh, to watch that because um, just the the intensity of the Barnett. You know, you take that and you go to McFarlane and some of her. Uh, respect from where she's from and and the people who have no idea what mixed martial arts is, some of the tourists in town were watching her. She's a good representative for Bellator, for the sport. Uh, And she doesn't get an easy time against Kate Jackson. Kate can grapple, good jiu-jitsu. Some of the stuff that Elimele was concerned with uh, was Kate's ability to grapple with her, to do jiu-jitsu. And so we shall see how that plays out. AJ McKee taking on Derek Campos in the co-main Heck of a fight. Campos is one of the larger featherweights in the tournament, and AJ is among the most talented featherweights you will find in the sport. I'm still very young. Hard to imagine he's just 24, right? Uh, And this is is a good fight, a good test for him. Uh, He told me um, that he was not feeling necessarily the best this fight week, a little bit of food poisoning perhaps, but he was out on Wednesday morning doing a six-mile run at the open workout he was he was showing that he's still in in great shape so that's the adversity the fighters face and, and something that he'll have to deal with uh facing against Derek Campos not an easy out by any stretch of the imagination uh I think McKee certainly has a good test in front of him and it really should be McKee moving on here but no guarantees you know Campos could be that guy to give McKee his first loss and so there's a lot of intrigue here uh Watch this card Saturday on the zone. I think a good way for Bellator to kick up its end of the year stuff. Of course, they're going next week to Japan, and uh, Fedor and, and uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson will be the headliner there. Last week we spoke to Quentin if you had a chance to listen to the show. If not, uh, you got some time to take his interview in. Uh, good stuff with Quentin. So lots of fights, as always, closing out 2019 uh, in a big way really setting up 2020 for a lot of these fighters for both these promotions, UFC and Bellator, lots of big things planned, not just in the first half first quarter, but all of 2020 things to play out and uh, pay attention to as we will at The Athletic, All right, Uh, I am Josh Gross, thank you as always for taking the time to tune in and listen, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe please rate and review, and if you are listening on The Athletic, thank you so much for your subscription, we uh, appreciate the support, I know I do And uh, we will catch you next week. All right? For The Athletic, I am Josh Gross. You've been listening to Gross Point Blank.